Hey everybody, welcome back to the End of the Bench podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the NFL playoffs for the second time and how the divisional round turned out. A lot more exciting than the first round of playoffs in the wild card. I think that the teams were a lot better matched this time instead of having some of those teams that were on the border of even getting into the playoffs. I think this was just a lot better version of football. We are going to start off with what I think was the most boring game, which is tough to find between these games because they were all really fun to watch. This is the Bengals-Titans. The reason I picked this game is just because it was a low-scoring affair and it just didn't have the same explosiveness as the other games. Cincinnati won this game 19-16 just like I thought they would. I didn't know that Derrick Henry was coming back for the Tennessee Titans, but he wasn't the same Derrick Henry that they had in the beginning of the season. He got outrushed by Foreman, who's been leading the backfield for a little while now, and he just wasn't all there. You could really tell by his productivity. And I think give credit to the Bengals' defense for holding the running backs. Foreman only had four carries for 66 yards, but Derrick Henry had 20 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown, which, yeah, for some running backs sounds like a good stat line, but it's, for him, not the best of days. And he also was not at all involved in the receiving game, which the receiving game never even got started either with Ryan Tannehill only being 15 of 24, 220 yards, a touchdown and three interceptions. And I think this is why the Bengals defense deserves a lot of credit is because the offense of the Bengals didn't have the same explosiveness as they usually do. Joe Burrow with zero touchdowns, interceptions, 348 yards, which 348 yards is good but the interception doesn't really help with how his stats look and i think he probably should have had a touchdown but just couldn't get in the end zone joe mixon rushed for a touchdown on 54 yards hasn't been as productive since earlier in the season but jamar chase with his second 100 yard game this year which he's one of the first rookies to have two 100 yard receiving games in the same playoffs which is pretty good t higgins was also at 96 yards on seven receptions so the receiving core did phenomenal today especially with how the Titans defense has been looked at this year. Now the Tennessee defense and the Bengals defense both played very well. I think the Bengals defense outplayed Tennessee by a little bit only because of their big plays and how well it made it look like they did on the stat sheet. But the Tennessee Titans, I think need credit where it's due because they held a explosive Cincinnati offense to 19 points. And even though they didn't have the same amount of explosive plays, they still were very dominant against this great offense in the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think that that is overlooked because of how unproductive they seemed. I think the last spot I want to get into for this game is how the game ended. This was the first game of uh, all of the playoff in the divisional round part of this was the first game of the playoffs this divisional round um and i want to talk about how the field goal ended it and the field goal kicker for the Bengals is a rookie not really seen as a top rookie kicker that everyone needs to everybody needs to like look out for in later season turning into like an adam vinatieri but he kicked a 19-yard field goal to end the game with 20 seconds left, and that won him the game. And 
throughout the game, he had a couple good kicks because he went four for four on the day and also one for one extra point, which is a great day for a kicker because kicking looks easy. And yes, we ridicule kickers for making missing important kicks in playoffs and stuff, but that's a lot of pressure. And it's also very hard to make, especially long field goals. Now, moving on to one of the more interesting games, I want to talk about the 49ers Packers. This was also a very low scoring affair, but unlike pretty much everyone's prediction for this game, the Packers end up losing 10 to 13. San Francisco at the end of the season has really showed a spark, especially shocking teams like Green Bay and the Cowboys now who both have very explosive offenses. Aaron Rodgers was 20 for 29, 225 yards, no touchdowns. Jones was 12 carries for 41 yards. But Jimmy Garoppolo only threw for 131 yards in an interception, and Elijah Mitchell had 53 yards. So it's still to the point where the defense and special teams for the 49ers is leading their charge through the playoffs because their only touchdown was a punt blocked into the end zone for a touchdown. And Without that, they had no chance in this game because they kicked two field goals and special teams has kind of led them the game. And also the lack of special teams for Green Bay because even on the game-winning field goal by San Francisco, which also was very impressive, they only had 10 guys on the field. And that was the most important play of the season for the Packers up to that point because if that field goal would have went wide left or wide right, you go into an overtime situation with a very experienced Green Bay team and a less experienced San Francisco team. And I would have taken Green Bay in that overtime period. But the Packers scored their lone touchdown in this game in the first quarter. And to have a touchdown in the first quarter on your opening drive and then only kick one more field goal the entire game, that just shows how good of a game plan San Francisco composed after that first drive to try to stop this offense because even though the offense wasn't that explosive they still had a couple up plays where they looked like the normal Packers offense but San Francisco really limited these plays so that they could keep them under control and not let this game get out of hand. I think the real credit to this game goes to the defense and special teams of San Francisco and I think the same way around the Packers offense and special teams is the reason they lost this game because the special teams for Green Bay had several critical errors that led them to have touchdowns in San Francisco and good field position but San Francisco made sure that they took advantage of these opportunities and ended up winning them the game. Next game up that we want to talk about today is the Buccaneers-Rams game, which was a very impressive game, and everybody, I think, thought this would be the best game of the, the day, but it, it wasn't even the best game of the day, and that's what we're going to get to next to finish up the podcast, but the Rams won this game 30-27, to and this wasn't a conventional back-and-forth, oh, you have the lead, you have the lead, and yada, yada. But the Rams score compared to the Buccaneers score at the end of the game shows nothing of the game. At halftime, the game was 20 to three in the Rams favor. They went up 27-3 at a point. And the Buccaneers scored 10 points at the end of the third, end of the third quarter, giving them 13 to 27. 
and scored 14 in the fourth quarter. Now, the one problem in the Buccaneers is their defense is not as productive as they were last year. I know they had some key injuries in the secondary, but still they have most of the pieces that they had last year. And as well as on the offensive side with the loss of Chris Godwin and even Ronald Jones Jr., Leonard Fournette did come back for this game, 51 yards, two touchdowns. Tom Brady had 329 yards and a touchdown, so pretty pretty good day for him. But Mike Evans had eight receptions, 119 yards and a touchdown, which is very good for him. Now, on the last drive of the game, after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had tied up the game at 27, they went cover zero, which put a safety in Antoine Winfield Jr. on Cooper Cup, which, as we all know, Cooper Cup is one of the best receivers in the league this year. And they took advantage of this and got a massive play to put him in field goal range. So they just wasted the clock out and then kicked a field goal to win the game. And I think that Tampa Bay had so much momentum on their side. I don't know why they would make a decision to go cover zero when you have all the momentum on your side and all your defense needs to do is get a couple stops, get into overtime, and then have a chance to seal the game. Because if they did get in overtime, you just go conventional defense. And they'd done a great job holding the Los Angeles Rams to low scoring in the second half. They only scored seven total points until the game-winning field goal. So the momentum is on your side. Why do you switch it up like that? A lot of people are saying, oh, well, the defensive coordinator for the Bucs is going to be a lesser candidate for head coaching jobs. Personally, I can see where their head was here because if you rush the quarterback enough to where he can't get the ball off in time, like because with long routes, they only have one play pretty much. So what they're trying to do is get down the field and then kick a field goal. If you rush the quarterback fast enough so he doesn't have enough time to throw one of those passes, well then boom, they don't get the long pass and you guys win the or you go to overtime. But what they don't realize is that it only takes like one or two seconds for Matt Stafford to throw a pass to Cooper Cup down the field and get in that field goal range. So there's no point of rushing all these people if when you get to the quarterback. Cooper Cup still has enough separation to catch a long pass and get in a field goal range so that you guys lose the game. And I think that that was a missed portion of this because they thought that their rush would get there fast enough. But with how explosive and fast the Rams offense is, there's major gaps in this philosophy for cover zero defense on them. And I think it was the wrong way to go. Maybe they should have went cover three with three safeties deeper at about 10 to 15 yards so that they prevent the long pass, but can also keep people like Cooper Cup in closer so that they don't have to worry about long passes from them. Now, Matt Stafford, first year off the Lions, is doing so much better than what he had been because 366 yards and two touchdowns. The end of the season, people were speculating about the Rams because, oh, Matt Stafford's not playing as well. He's choking at the end of the season like he always did for the Lions. And he's just not going to do good in the playoffs like he always does. But at this point, I think the Rams are a critical threat to the Super Bowl, especially playing a team like San Francisco, who I know I've said the San Francisco 49ers were going to lose in the last two games, but I think this game they're actually going to lose because the Rams are a different style team than both the Packers and the Cowboys. I think the Rams are a more consistent offense, but I think San Francisco has 
to play some of the best defense they have this year against the Rams, even after going against a team like the Packers, because it's just it's just going to be a dogfight if their defense can stay in. And I think Garoppolo is going to need to have a little bit more productivity and Elijah Mitchell as well. But Cam Akers in his second game back had 48 yards, which isn't very productive. So their run game has been down a little bit. I think this is definitely contributing to the loss of Daryl Henderson. But Cooper Cup had nine receptions for 183 yards and 11 targets, which is phenomenal and a touchdown. And his long was a 70 yard pass. Odell Beckham also had six receptions, 69 yards, which helps in the wide receiving core a lot. So it's nice to have that number two guy in there. He's kind of filling the role of a Robert Woods type player. And I think that the Rams have a great chance now, especially after getting by a team like the Bucks and having the Packers out of contention now, I think are the threat from the NFC to get in the Super Bowl. Now, finally, and definitely not least, the Chiefs and the Bills. Now, this is a flashback to last year's AFC Championship, where Stefan Diggs had the iconic moment of watching the entire celebration by the Chiefs, and he came back stronger than ever. He had one catch. No, 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 no. He had three catches for seven yards on six targets. If this was maybe Gabriel Davis looking at the scoreboard after, then his performance fit perfectly because Gabriel Davis had eight receptions for 201 yards and four touchdowns in an unworldly game for him. This year, he has 549 yards, so he almost contributed a fourth of his season totals, a third of his season totals in one game in the playoffs, which is insane. The rushing game was led by Josh Allen, so Devin Singletary never really got in the game with 10 carries and 26 yards, which isn't very productive at all. But he did have one touchdown on a short run into the end zone. But the main point of this game was Kansas City's win, 42-36. Kansas City's offense was very productive. 378 yards and three touchdowns by Patrick Mahomes. He had a great game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 60 yards on only seven rushes, which is eight yards a carry. So that's pretty impressive, especially thinking about, oh, well, he's only rushing it that many times. McKinnon also had 10 rushes, but he only had 24 yards. Perry Kill had his 11 receptions for 150 yards and a touchdown, as well as Kelsey having just under 100 yards with eight receptions, 96 yards and a touchdown. But the main point in this game was the Buffalo Bills had just scored to put them up by three points and there's 13 seconds left in the game and at this point you can write it off and say hey Buffalo is going to win this game it's over it was a great game exciting to watch but Patrick Mahomes took his offense down the field after the kickoff to get into field goal range and have Harrison Butker tie the game and get in overtime in the overtime rules, there's a lot of disputes over if these should be changed or if they should stay the same. But I think they should stay the same because it makes it a lot more fun to watch. The Chiefs got the ball in overtime and they scored, so they won the game. But the Bills never got a chance. And I think a lot of people see that as unfair because of also the Patriots-Chiefs AFC 
championship because the Chiefs never got a turn. And then the Patriots go to the Super Bowl against the Rams and win it. And a lot of people could have seen, oh, the Chiefs were supposed to go there and it would have been a more fun game to watch. So we should change these rules. But giving an offense the ball that doesn't have the momentum on their side and the defense gets the ball back and they go down the field, that can happen. But if you win that coin toss, so much momentum goes on your side because you know that if you score, the game is over, no question. So I think the Chiefs definitely took advantage of this, especially scoring 42 points in a game and Buffalo scoring 36. So both offenses, I think whoever got the ball in this overtime period was going to win the game. So it was just the 50-50 luck of the coin toss and the Chiefs won this and it turned out how it did. But the Chiefs defense looked a lot different than what it has the last couple of games because they've been holding teams to low scoring averages until this Bills offense came in ran all over the Patriots defense just last week. But the Chiefs defense has been looked at as up and coming, especially after last year's Super Bowl loss where their defense just did not look good at all and let the Tampa Bay Buccaneers score about a ton of points. But people like Chandler Jones, and this may be attributed to Tyron Matthew being out of the game with a head injury after one of his own players hit his helmet with his knee and I can see that being a reason that their defense struggled but one person coming out of the game shouldn't be the reason that your entire team struggles the leading tackler was Sorensen who's a safety and he he had a productive game but people like Frank Clark and Chris Jones who are your dominant tacklers for most of the time we're not as involved in the game with the combined three tackles. And I think that the Buffalo Bills offense did a good job at taking their star players out of the mix so that people who were a little bit more unexperienced had to produce at a higher level. And I think that's why the Chiefs ended up winning this game was because those guys that weren't as experienced and at a high level playing defensively produced in a way that they hadn't for most of the season now a little update the podcast is going to be cut down to one time a week because with the nfl season wrapping up and the college basketball season coming to play there's not enough college basketball material to cover two times a week especially with some of the games right now being in conference games like Rutgers northwestern which aren't very competitive and highly anticipated games. So we are going to cut it down to one time a week. The episode will probably be about 24 minutes long, so it should be a little bit easier to keep track of. But thank you for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for the next episode of the End of the Bench podcast. And I'll see you next time.